0: All right. Here we are in miracles. Do you need a handout? Have a handout? Anybody, have a hand? Anybody need a handout? Hold up your hand. I need one over here, three, four back there. Rick has some. Okay, there should be one in every other chair anyway. And this is the second week, so uh, for the first time we talked about definition, A, a miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. And so we're not saying... Uh, Just to review, we're not saying a miracle is when God suddenly decides to act in the world because if we believe in a strong view of God's providence, God is always acting in the world and sustaining it. uh, But this is an uncommon what acting in the world. And uh, so we went over that, point one, point two. Um, And then main section B, miracles as characteristic of the new covenant age. And I just got to this at the end of the hour last time. Jesus' miraculous signs attested that he had come from God. So Nicodemus can say, uh, this man came to Jesus by night, and he said, um, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So they showed that Jesus was from God. They manifested uh, Jesus' glory, and people believed in him. And um, uh, in Acts 22, Peter says that Jesus was attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. Whether casting out demons or raising the dead or feeding the uh, 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes or many other unusual things, walking on water, etc. Um, so, um, uh, and the apostles then, Jesus wasn't the only one performing miracles, but the apostles and others <coughs> who preached the gospel performed miracles that amazed people and gave comprom- confirmation of the gospel is being preached. So uh, uh, when uh, healings were done by the early apostles, it says, awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And in Galatians, Paul's writing to these churches in the province of Galatia. He's not there anymore. Other apostles aren't there anymore. He's just writing to these ordinary Christians. And he says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? or by hearing with faith. The the implication is that right now, even now, God is working miracles among the Galatian churches. So it wasn't just the apostles. Uh, It wasn't just Jesus. It wasn't just the 12. It wasn't just the apostles. It was, as well, ordinary Christians. And um, in the list of spiritual gifts, there's uh, working of miracles. And then there are other things like uh, um, prophecy and healing, which we would probably count miraculous, too. And again, 1 Corinthians 12, another is given the working of miracles. So it seems to be characteristic of the New Testament church if we just if we just look at the Bible and look at what is happening in the Bible. We say, well, um, when we read the New Testament, it looks like miracles occur when the gospel is preached and a church is established. And it gives evidence to the truthfulness of the gospel and it gives glory to God. Well... Um, Miracles were not confined to the 12 or the 70, because here's 70, the Lord pointed 70 or 72 others, and sent them ahead of him to, uh, two by two. Heal the sick. The kingdom of God has come near to you, and people were healed. There was a the kingdom of God coming. But now, is it just the 12, just the 70? No, they were characteristic of the churches of Galatia, we talked about that, and of New Testament churches generally, because it's, miracles are part of the spiritual gifts list. Um, This may be seen as an indication of the powerful new work of the Holy Spirit that began with Pentecost and may be expected to continue through the church age. So here's my point. As I read the New Testament, it looks to me like when Jesus came, he came working miracles. He gave his disciples the authority to work miracles, and then the 70 to work miracles, and then the churches generally. There were miracles, answers to prayer, other kinds of miracles being done in these churches. And it seems to me that the point is that this is what the New Covenant is like. Old Covenant, there was Elijah, there was Samuel, there were a few people working miracles, but not too many. But the New Covenant, it just seems to be full of miracles. And when is the New Covenant? The New Covenant is from, well, the New Covenant work of the Holy Spirit begins at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes in new power, and it ends when Christ returns. So... 2006, November 26th, 2006, we're still in the New Covenant. We're still in the age of the New Covenant. And so that pushes me to say, doesn't the New Testament make it look like we should expect that miracles would still occur today for the same reasons that they occurred in the early church? Now, when I say that, There's a big controversy. Oh, no, 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 no. Look at all these abuses. Don't you turn on the television? Um, (laughs) And don't you know people who were sick and we prayed for them and they didn't get healed? And there are all these objections that come. So um, I want to kind of back off just for a minute and look at kind of the purposes of miracles and see if we can get a right and balanced understanding. But I'm pushing toward the point to say, I think as I read the New Testament I think that our faith should be greater than it is and our expectation should be greater than it is ordinarily in western secular society uh, that God would still work miracles today that's that's where I'm going okay the purposes of miracles and when we understand the purposes this helps us in knowing how to pray for things and it helps us in uh, keeping us from making mistakes or having abuses. So the purposes of miracles, we have to go over to the back of your hand uh, First, to authenticate the message of the gospel. Nicodemus said, No one can do the signs unless God is with him. So that it showed Nicodemus that God was with him. And uh, Hebrews 2:4. Um, when the gospel came, the author says, Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. So what happens is when people see Miracles occurring, they say, this has to be God. And then they come to faith. That was what was happening with the New Testament. Number two, to give evidence that God is truly at work. And so to advance the gospel. I mean, this is, this is sort of the same. It authenticates the message of the gospel. But then, number two, it kind of shows that God is truly at work and advances the gospel. Uh, the Samaritan woman, when Jesus had insight, uh, miraculous knowledge of her life, he said, go call your husband. She said, oh, I don't have a husband. And she said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And she, <laughs> she was pretty surprised um, because uh, it gave witness. And she said, come see a man who told me every, everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ or the Messiah? It gave evidence that God is at work and advanced the, the gospel. And in Samaria, the crowds, Philip went down to Samaria. Philip wasn't an apostle. He was just an early just an early member of the church. I think he was one of the deacons. Or not one of the, uh, the uh, de- yeah early de- deacons, but anyway, he went <clears throat> he went down to Samaria, and the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So here's the here's the pattern. There's a proclamation of the word of God saying Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again. It fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, and then demons were cast out of people, people were being healed, and everybody said, whoa. It's truth, and there's power here in the same. And, and, the, and there was a powerful proclamation of the gospel. And so uh, unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in the city of Samaria. And uh, all the residents of Acts 9.35, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, this, the healed paralytic, and they turned to the Lord. So this is the common thing that's happening in the book of Acts. There are miracles being proclaimed, and people come to faith. Number three, to bear witness to the fact that the kingdom of God has come. What is the kingdom of God? <clears throat> it's not like the kingdom of Egypt. It's not like the kingdom of Norway. <laughs> I think they still have a king in Norway. Um, it's not like an earthly political kingdom. It's rather God's reign or God's rule in people's individual lives. And when the kingdom of God advances, then people's lives begin to show evidence of this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so Jesus said, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. These people were in subjection to all sorts of demonic bondage and their lives weren't free from that. They were under oppression and destructive influences. When they were set, people said, Oh, the kingdom looks like it's freedom from that demonic oppression. Or uh, Jesus' miracles advanced the kingdom of God in people's lives because he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. <clears throat> there was a transformation. Probably, uh, to, well, to some degree, there was just. A heart transformation, but I think probably there was also a transformation in their circumstance that was going to come about. It sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's probably setting free those who were subject to demonic bondage. And recovering of sight to the blind, there's physical healing, liberty to those who are oppressed. It's advancing how, how life looks when God is in charge, rather than Satan and demons, rather than sin. The kingdom of God advances in different ways, but, but miracles were part of that, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor then. This is all Luke 4.18. Another purpose of miracles is to help those who are in need, to help those who are in need. Uh, these two blind men sitting by the roadside in Matthew 20.30, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. They couldn't see, and Jesus healed them It helped them. They were in need or matthew twenty thirty four Jesus in pity touched their eyes. this is the same uh, same story, and immediately they recovered their sight, and what did they do? They followed him they, they were able to see, and then they were able to follow jesus or matthew fourteen four when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick uh, because they were in need, and Jesus' heart of compassion flowed out and met their need. Um, there are other instances of, of meeting people's needs many many times. There's, there's, there's the compassion or the pity or the mercy that Jesus feels for them. I remember Margaret and I were at dinner oh 15 years ago or so in Illinois. We were at dinner with some other seminary couples. One of them had asked us over for dinner, and just after we got through the course of the dinner a bit, one of the uh, one of the women there said, "You know, I think there must be wrong with me." She said, every time I see somebody on crutches or somebody in a wheelchair in a shopping mall or something, my heart is just, I just feel such sorrow for them and I just have such deep desire to help them. And I said to her, you know, Sally or whatever her name was, I don't remember. You know, Sally, I suspect that's a gift that God has given you, a gift of compassion, and I encourage you to look for opportunities to pray for people where your heart is stirred with compassion toward them in an unusual way. Because I think oftentimes that intense feeling of compassion and mercy goes along with an effectiveness that God will give you in praying for them for various various areas of their lives. And, and you... Maybe some of you know that, that that's that you, God has given you a heart of compassion for people, and you want to help well part of what I 'm trying to do this in this lesson is to encourage you to maybe look for more ways and spend more time to pray for relieve the affliction of those who touch your heart okay it's to give help to those who are in need uh, to remove yeah to remove hindrances to people's ministries um, It's interesting when Peter, let's see, Matthew 8.15, I think is Peter's mother-in-law, Matthew 8.15. And Jesus came to their home. Yes, and Peter's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. It was interesting that as soon as she was freed from the fever, she was able to minister to Jesus and those with him. I remember being at this, remember I told you about the ETS meeting in Washington, D.C.? I remember a number of years ago, um, there was, let me see how I can disguise this a little bit. Well, just a friend of mine who was there. And um, he had some responsibilities, administrative responsibilities in the meeting. But he was walking around like this because back something. He would thrown his back out, his back pain. And I uh, said, oh, can I pray for you that that would go away? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, the next day it was still really bad. I said, well, can I pray for you? Okay, then he let me. And so we I, I just it took a couple of minutes and, and uh, just put my hand on his back and said, Lord. And see, now here I'm praying with a focus toward his being able to minister. I said, Lord, my friend, I'll call him Fred, that wasn't his name. My friend Fred has responsibilities here, and it's really hard because his back hurts him so much. Will you heal this back problem so that he will be free to carry out the ministry that you've given him? Okay? Amen. And what happened? He got somewhat better. Quickly. Quickly. Now, was it 100%? Well, no, he wasn't. I can't figure that out. I don't know why. But I think it was right to pray that he would be removed, that that hindrance to ministry would be removed, okay? Because one of the for miracles is to free people up to minister. Um, Philippians 2:27. Epaphroditus came to visit Paul in prison, and Paul says, "Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow on sorrow." That is, Epaphroditus had come to help Paul to cheer him up in prison, and uh, all of a sudden he got sick, and then he was a burden, and uh, and then and then probably Paul prayed for him and. And he got—he didn't get well right away. I don't know why. But then Paul said, eventually, God had mercy on him. He was sick unto death, but God had mercy on him and on me. So he was able to minister to Paul again. Um, I remember another time going to visit a friend of ours in the hospital, and she had, um, um, well, it was it was some certain kind of cancer. I won't go into detail. But she had four kids at home, and she was a mom, and needed to care for them. And we prayed for her. Lord, these children need her. Will you please have mercy and touch her and make her well? And again, in that case, uh, was a significant, I think, significant answer to prayer. And she's well today. At least the last time we saw her, she lives in Illinois as well. Um, here again, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha or Dorcas. And acts 9.36. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And then She died. And so they called Peter to come. And Peter came and put them all outside, knelt down, prayed, turned to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. This is a remarkable miracle. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And see, what did she do? She sat in a rocking chair and rocked the rest of her life? Now, I imagine, it doesn't say this, but I imagine she went right back to doing her good works and acts of charity. Now you wonder, how did Peter know to say this? Tabitha, arise. I think that he must have been in such close fellowship with the Lord that he knew that that was what God wanted him to do that he had this, it wasn't just he said, oh, I'll say, Tabitha, arise and see what happens. I don't think he made that up out of his own mind at all, but there must have been such an incredible amount of faith that the Holy Spirit gave to him at that moment and said, Peter, I'm going to make her well. Just tell her to get up. And he did, and it was amazing. And and she arose. Um so these things are given, to, any kind of spiritual gift is given, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, for the common good, to to remove hindrances to people's ministries, to do well. And then, ultimately, overarching <coughs> this all, <coughs> miracles are to give glory to God. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men, Matthew 9, 8. And that is, that is in... Matthew 9, eight. that is uh, healing a paralytic, and the crowd saw it, and they glorified God. Or Jesus, John 9, 3, uh, the blind man, and uh, why, why is he blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? No, Jesus says no, it was what that the works of God might be displayed in him, and so that people would give glory to God. So those are, I think, six good purposes for miracles. I'm going to stop there for a minute and see if you want to interact on that before I go on. Is that, um, John. So just said that very often, when occurs, the is Yep. And I said the that came out I that it's of it. Oh, Okay. When something good happens like that, mm-hmm. with my mom, I hit bottom, mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. of a lady came from hospice to me, and I felt was like a, it really felt like a miracle. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I you know, came way up from that point. Okay. And I can't help but talk about that. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, John, talk about that, yeah. good. John is saying, uh, I say miracles sometimes are to Enable people to minister, and John is saying it. He thinks it's all. It's 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 always that way. Oh, it's Bob. Oh, okay. You're he, saying it's always that way because there's always some benefit, and maybe there is. Yeah. I I just scholars hesitate to use the word always. <laughs> Because you're never sure, Maybe some, but, but yeah, I think very, very, very very often, I think you're right. Okay, Ed. Uh, you said the word
1: expect
0: a couple of times. And I find in my own prayer life, especially recently, that before I can, can uh, expect something to happen. More I... Maybe I'll have you
1: again because we're missing it on the tape. You, you used the word expect several times uh, today, and I find recently in my own prayer life that, that that that's something that I'm uh, grappling with, and uh, y- you know sometimes as a as a Christian you feel uh, guilty, at least I do, uh, expecting God to do something. Uh, so I've I've kind of sat on the fact that you know if it's your will, then yeah. then I expect it, but but always leaving that door open. Yeah. I, I just wonder where wh- how you've you've uh, uh, come to peace with that, because I'm sure you've, yeah. you've dealt with that.
0: Well, let me say, Ed, that the question you asked is right at the heart of about the hardest thing we have to figure out in this whole topic, and that is, at least for me, I love to be around people who have a high faith or a high expectation that God is to through, yet I'm afraid to say, well, I know this is going to happen when I don't know it's going to happen. And it sometimes doesn't happen. So I just I want us to move up a little bit without going overboard and saying, I know it's happened, or something like that. Well, it hasn't happened. You're still limping. <laughs> so... Um, but, but the times when I have seen more quick and... S- Surprising answers to prayer have been the times when I I don't try to work it up in myself, you know, make myself believe or something like that. It's just kind of waiting on God, praying, and asking. And then there's sometimes a kind of an excitement that comes in my spirit or in my heart that's that's a greater assurance. And I... I, It's the it's hard question, but it's it's right at the heart of what we're wondering, how we should pray. So, Pammy? Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of
2: faith, um, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of faith, when he asked to have the thorn removed, um, yep. uh, you know, and the Lord said no. But yep. I am sure that Paul... Um, uh, when he asked the Lord, he totally believed that it, it isn't a matter of our. I don't know that it is a matter of our, completely of our faith. I mean, Jairus's daughter didn't have any faith when yeah. she was raised from the dead. I think faith is is an important <laughs> um, um, uh, component of it, but um, but I, I think it is a real balance in um, in what Ed said about. Lord, you're sovereign. You know what's best, but this yep. is what my desire is, and yep. would you do this?
0: Yep. And But Pammy sometimes it goes <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it is yes, I think it's right to say or to have an attitude of heart or both. Lord, whatever you want here. Mm-hmm. And then to say, This is what my desire is. My desire is my friend be healed. He can't walk around, he's got to help at running this meeting. <clears throat> and it seems right to me, Lord. And then to say, "Please, Lord, will you give this?" Now that's asking. Yes. That's not insisting. It's mm-hmm. not demanding, but it's asking. And I think,
2: without giving him a back door of, "And Lord, if you don't do this, that's you well, know that sovereign." I, I, yeah, now, in
0: my heart, I know that. Yeah. See, and so, but it. but I, I, I don't want to not ask. Yeah. And say, "Well, oh, Lord, do whatever you want to do." Well, that isn't really asking anything. Our prayer is asking. Yeah. So. Um,
2: so asking with the full heart that you know yeah, He is more than capable of yeah, doing it,
0: yeah.
2: And expecting that He will, or
0: well, what? I don't think that we can make ourselves expect, but I think that as we pray and as we kind of read the word, hear the word, the Holy Spirit increases faith in our hearts right at that moment, increases our kind of expectant, hopeful faith. Um, And it, I mean, I've I've never had the kind of I've never had it be that strong that I can say Talitha or Tabitha arise, and somebody gets up from the dead. You know that that has never happened to me, but I've had it happen as I've prayed for people, or Margaret and I together have prayed for people that there's just kind of a spiritual sense of yes, expectant hope and confidence. Well, in, we in saw that heart.
2: with you in John's um, hospital room just a few weeks ago when they told us absolutely we could not see Dr. Mellon, that he wasn't in the hospital. And you just prayed, Lord, you just put it on Dr. Mellon's heart to come in and, and um, minister to John. And we said amen, and this man came in the room, and we, are you Dr. Mellon? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was. So yeah. I, Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> That, I mean, that was the Lord answering our prayers, and I'm not sure it was my prayer or your prayer or Margaret's prayer or whose prayer but or John's Let's prayer. It. it was it was the Lord doing it, yeah, and all of us praying. But that was, those are really exciting. Rose? Um,
1: with regard to everything that has been said, how do you reconcile the scriptures that say, whatsoever you ask when you pray, believe that you will yeah. receive it and you shall, or whatsoever yeah. you ask in my name, that will I do?
0: Yeah, um, okay. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That um, I think Jesus is describing that kind of settled assurance that God's going to give you what you ask and it comes to us only sometimes. And we can't work it up in ourselves by talking really loud or fast or saying words over and over again. I think it's it's that God awakens that awareness of, yes, Rose, I'm going to give you what you asked for. And then we say, all right, thank Believe that you have received it. In God's mind, he's going to give it to you. And <clears throat> I think that's what it means, but you can read long commentaries on it. And... Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to go get around this name it and claim it idea. I don't I don't hold to that that if we just say it out loud. See that 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 is like um that is like making it mechanical. Like all I have to do is say it with kind of an assurance <coughs> and God has to give it to me. <coughs> and that's no longer asking. That's that's demanding and I don't I don't I don't see um, I, I I, I'm, I don't think that's right. I think that's trying to... It, it pictures to me like forcing something on God. And so it's not asking. But I think asking and then allowing God to give us settled confidence in our hearts at times. I'm
1: thinking, for example, uh, I have um, two friends. And uh, they both died of cancer. Yeah. And it's because their doctor said you have two, uh, six months to live. So they believed the doctor, yeah. Yeah. and they got all the things in yeah. line, and they just prepared themselves to die. Yes. Now there are so many other cases uh, like this.
0: Have uh, to hold bicycle, it close, the ropes. Uh,
1: this bicycle person, uh, Lance Armstrong. Lance, you yeah. You know, he decided, you know, that he he wasn't going to accept yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, you hear story after story where the doctor has said, "Well, you have four months. You have three yeah. months," and these people say, Kay. "Uh-uh, I'm going to pull Kay. myself through yeah.
0: Okay, so, but Rose, uh, I have to say, I mean, we, I'm just thinking in our own class, we prayed for Al Hufford a lot, and I remember just when Al had his diagnosis, I, I bumped into him at, at Home Depot, and we stood outside Home Depot, put my hand on Al's back, and we just stood there for a few minutes and asked the Lord to raise cancer, and the Lord didn't. Did he believe that? Well, I don't know. I think Al's faith was very strong, see, and... But it isn't always just the faith of the sick person, because James five says the elders should pray, and the prayer of faith will will make the sick person well. So that's the elders' faith, and uh, when the four friends remember they brought this guy to Jesus by digging a hole in the roof, and it says Jesus saw their faith, plural. It's the friends' faith. So it, it I mean, I think the there, it. I never want to put a blame on someone. Oh, you didn't have enough faith. I think we just we just ask God and wait and trust. So, and then I I'm kind of I'm am digressing here a little bit. But then sometimes God answers. Sometimes He answers completely. Sometimes He answers partially, like my friend who got a lot better, but he still had a little of his back sometimes the answers surprise like we pray for Dr. Mellon and when we said amen and I said John how are you feeling and this guy walks in the door he said, hi I'm Dr. Mellon <laughs> and he wasn't supposed to be able to come that day he said oh yeah my colleague was doing something else and so I just decided to come over here so <laughs> you know and those those are remarkable I mean and those are we just think we just have a heart of thankfulness to God but and I and I, I had a friend who who is no longer alive, but he he had a remarkable ministry of praying for people to get well, and hundreds of people really had gotten well. And yet he said, "The longer I go on in life, the more I just can't figure out why God answers some prayers and He doesn't answer others." Um, and so I I wanted I, that's I'm I'm sure that's true that that He wants us to pray, He wants us to trust Him, and sometimes He gives us a a stronger expectant faith. And that comes about by waiting on him in prayer. It comes about by reading the word and hearing the word. That's why when I'm praying for someone to get well, if I have opportunity, I'll read a passage from Scripture first. Um, And then Holy Spirit working that in our hearts. I know that's not a really neat packaged answer. It's a little bit of a messy answer. But I think it's a God-centered and it's a Bible-centered answer. And I think it helps us both to encourage more faith but to say we don't always know. Are you are you content with that? Can can we leave it there? Okay, let's see where I am. Um, Margaret. <laughs> Margaret's question is this. Debbie's been wanting to say something.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's already been said. But like James, I think it's one five or something. It says, uh, "Let him ask God, who gives generously without reproach." Yes. And but let him ask in faith yes. with no doubting. And we have to start believing God more. He's a big, huge God. If he created everything, he can certainly do a little thing in your life. Good, And it's, we just have to start believing.
2: He's a big, big God.
0: Here's what happens to me. (coughs) I get into all these academic things and these what ifs and these qualities. And then comes along or somebody like Debbie and says, just God. And it's really good for me. Good for my heart. Did you feel that when she was talking? Okay, see, and I, I love that. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Rick? You know, we're not speaking to people who have the same kind of faith yeah. that, that we do. And I learned years ago in praying with patients over the years, many, many patients, that we, we have to ask God for healing or relief of pain or maybe yeah. death if it's a if it's yeah. a, a, a one-way street that they're on. But we've also got to set the expectation in their mind that God's answer may be different. Mm. And I think that's been touched on here, but, yeah. but you know, Philippians 4.19, and God shall supply all of your need. Mm. And I would pray with people that, and still do, that if it's not God's will that they'll be healed, that he'll give them the strength to do, and the family, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to meet the challenge. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to raise both sides of the coin. to Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm with you. Okay. <coughs> I wish I could package it in one sentence. I'd say yes, 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 yes. Okay. Let's go on and see. We've got about ten minutes left. Let's see if I can get through this section. This is kind of an academic argument. Uh, Were miracles restricted to the apostles? That is... There's a certain stream of thought in the Christian world that says, hey, don't expect miracles today. God isn't going to do any more miracles today because that was just for the first century when we didn't have the Bible and the apostles and and God had to show that the apostles were preaching the truth and the first proclamation of the message of Jesus. And here are the arguments. They say the apostles were around, and God gave miracles, and that shows that the the new new books were being added to the Bible, but there are no more books being added to the Bible today. We don't need any more miracles because we don't have any apostles adding books to the Bible. Okay? And this massive argument in some parts of the Christian world, and you may not believe it, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Okay? Uh, Number one, I want to say, yes, I agree. There's an unusual concentration of miracles in the apostles' ministry. Um, The apostles uh, had had an unusual kind of ministry. Uh, Acts Acts 5, 12 to 16, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. This was happening all the time. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them. People held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. See, miracles are happening and people are saying, I can't deny this. This must be God. And so their gospel about Jesus Christ must be true. So believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And here's how strong... The power of the Holy Spirit was in the presence of Peter, for example, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats so that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. I mean, it was, he would just pass near, and there's this power of the Spirit surrounding him. People were being made well, apparently. People gathered the, uh, also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, if that started happening today... At Scottsdale Bible Church, what would happen? Whew. If that started happening today in the headquarters of CNN, <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. see, or or uh, some big Hollywood movie theaters or studios and producers and directors and actors, all of a sudden they saw somebody came and kind of said, "Jesus is Lord. You need to confess your sins, repent, and trust in Him." And incidentally. All these miracles are happening, and people can't deny it. I wonder if that wouldn't be a world-changing thing. And what would happen if it started happening in Baghdad? Hmm. I have a friend who's a missionary in Uganda, been a medical missionary in Uganda for many years, We've, and uh, he had a story one time, there was anarchy in Uganda. And uh, they had fence around their compound, uh, their little house where they lived. And uh, so they would lock it at night, and they had a car in there. And uh, the soldier came by with a gun, and Chris was standing at the fence and said, the soldier said, give me your car. And Chris said, no. And he said, well, I have a gun. I'm going to shoot you. And Chris said, I don't give it to you. And the guy went to draw his gun, and he couldn't lift his hand up. (laughs) He got scared and ran away. Well, okay. So, the. And, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul as well. So that this is, I don't, I mean, this is just, what I take it is that there was a, a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit that was so strong that it kind of even attached to handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched Paul's skin were carried to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. I don't recommend that you try this. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's just saying it happened and it's just saying this this was remarkable. Nevertheless, even though, now here's my point: there were unusual concentration of miracles in the apostles' ministry, even raising the dead. That's unusual. So what does that mean? Some people say that means nobody had miracles. I say that doesn't mean means the opposite. It doesn't mean it doesn't prove that no miracles were performed by others because there are verses about ordinary Christians in Corinthians uh, to another working of miracles in Galatians. God is the Holy Spirit is working miracles among you. We've looked at those verses. Now, here's another objection. 2 Corinthians Corinthians 12.12, people say, oh, 2 Corinthians 12.12, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. And they're saying, the signs of an apostle were these miracles. And so, you're not an apostle. So, don't expect those signs. And and my response to that is, that isn't what the Bible says. The, The signs here of an apostle, if you look in the context, the signs weren't the miracles, The signs were preaching the gospel with self-sacrifice and care for the Corinthians and uh, supporting himself and enduring affliction, showing that he's a true apostle, as opposed to these selfish people who were just trying to make themselves rich. And he said, I acted faithfully among you, along with miracles, these other people weren't true apostles. So the contrast is not between us who could work miracles and ordinary who could not, but between, Paul isn't trying to prove he's different from ordinary Christians, he's trying to prove he's different from these fake apostles, between genuine apostles through whom the Holy Spirit worked and non-Christian pretenders to the apostolic office. Such men, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 11:13, are false apostles, deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. So to use this phrase to argue that miracles cannot be done through Christians today takes the phrase signs of an apostle out of its context and uses it in a way that Paul didn't intend it. I don't think that signs of an apostle refers to miraculous signs, but they were part of God's, of Paul's God-given ministry. Uh, humility, selflessness, patience in suffering, fruitfulness, these signs were accompanied by miracles. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with true patience, the marks, the things that show him to be a true apostle. He was sincere. He cared for them, as opposed to these selfish, proud people. And these were done with signs and wonders. Yeah, that was a help, but he doesn't say... This shows that you aren't apostles or anything like that. Uh, I've got a little digression on the NIV translation, which I don't think is right, but I'm going to go on. Miracles were worked by others than the apostles. See, Stephen wasn't an apostle, and he did wonders and signs. Philip wasn't an apostle. He did signs. First Corinthians, all these Christians in the ch- churches at Corinth and surrounding it, they were working miracles. They weren't apostles. Uh So I don't think that's a good... I think it's a misunderstanding of 2 Corinthians 12, 12. That's all. Norman Geisler. Do you want to hear about Norman Geisler? Norman Geisler is a... He has a lot of good ideas. He's a theology professor. uh, And uh, he's written a lot of good things. But he is one of these people who says no miracles today. And I disagree. He says, well, there are no miracles today because they're always successful. They're immediate. They have no relapses. And they give confirmation of God's messenger. Hmm... What about the demon-possessed boy that the disciples could not set free? That isn't always successful. They were sometimes casting out demons, but here they weren't. Geisler says, forgot. (laughs) Forgot to faithfully exercise their power. But Jesus doesn't give the reason, hey, you forgot. He says, because of your little faith. So, um, I, I, I don't think that means they couldn't work any miracles. It was just... It, it, it was just that people can work miracles, but sometimes not be able to. And what about Paul's failure to heal Epaphroditus? He says, at the end of Paul's ministry, he no longer possessed the gift of healing. Oh, really? And that isn't even the end of his ministry. Philippians is just the middle. And so I think that's what we call special pleading. He doesn't have any evidence that this is so. Um, but he just he kind of says, uh, well, um, rather than saying what I think he should say, Paul was able to work miracles but not at will and not always just when God gave him the power which I think he should say. Geisler goes well beyond his usual cessationist claim that is the idea that these miracles ceased. People say that miracles ended with the death of the apostles. Geisler is claiming that miracles ceased before the life of the greatest apostle in the life of the greatest apostle <clears throat> even before his first Roman imprisonment in the middle of his ministry. But look, Paul summarizes his whole ministry by saying, it was by the power of signs and wonders, both by word and deed. So, and what about always immediate, always successful? What about Jesus healing the blind man? And at first the man didn't see clearly, but he saw men who looked like trees walking. And after that, Jesus laid his hands on him a second time, and the man saw everything clearly, Mark 8, 24 25. That looks like Jesus praying for him or ministering to him twice. Uh, and that doesn't fit. So it seems better to conclude that those whom God gives with the ability to perform miracles may not be able to perform them whenever they wish. The Holy Spirit is contrib- continually distributing to each one as he wills. And so uh, my conclusion on this is, back where I was, I think we should pray and ask God even for unusual answers to prayer. And uh, no, he doesn't always grant them. But I, honestly, um, I don't know how many of you, let me just ask, if you've been in a third world country where there's a really vibrant church, aren't you seeing more faith and more expectations of answers to miracles? Yes, Dale. Yes, Susie. Yes, John and Wendy. Some of the others of you. Uh, I think we're just so affected by our naturalism that's kind of in our Western culture that our faith grows weak, and I... I think that the Holy Spirit will do miracles according as he wills. Okay, Um, I'll skip that. I'll skip that. Were miracles restricted to the apostles? No. The apostles were leaders in a new covenant church. And uh, that was characterized by the Holy Spirit working miracles. And they set a pattern that the church throughout its history may well seek to imitate. How do we guard against false miracles? I'm going to ha- Here's what I'm gonna to have to do. Next week, I'll finish this up. There's about 15 minutes left, and then I'll kind of. It leads right into the chapter on prayer. So then we'll start the chapter on prayer next week. Oh, we're late. we can't can't go late. Here, let's pray. We can, we can talk more. I know I could take more questions, but but let's just pray. Talk more next time. Lord, thank you for these wonderful believers, these men and women who know you, who love you. And Lord, I I suppose if we made a list of all the answers to prayer that have come in all the lives of all these people here in this room over the years, it would fill volumes and volumes. And we do see you in small ways and in large ways, hearing our prayers and answering but Lord, as we as we see these things in Your Word, I, I think that our hearts are still stirred to to long for an even greater faith, greater expectation, greater hope, Lord, for those things even now that we think of in our own lives, and the lives of brothers and sisters that we care for. So this week, Lord, help each of us. Help us to look for and see opportunities to pray for people in need. And will you give us the power of the Holy Spirit to encourage greater faith in our hearts. This is you, Lord. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. And we ask that you touch our hearts and stir us up to a bible centered and kind of faith that is that is focused on you and gives you the glory in Jesus name amen see you next week